The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio, Radio. 630 Chad. Final score in Buffalo, Sabres 3, Edmonton Oilers 1. The Edmonton Oilers did very little tonight, and they got what they deserved. They finally broke up the Sabres shutout with a meaningless goal at 1940 of the third period. The Oilers, very little offensive thrust, three power plays, weren't able to score, and just a completely flat night. And once again, they fail to win two games in a row. You may have heard Jack Michaels saying it. They are 1-7 and seven in games after which they win. They are 8-13-2 on the league, or on the season. They are the third worst team in the NHL. Tonight they were beaten by the second worst team. And uh, again, they were beaten quite badly. Rob, I mean, just four shots in the first period, though it was scoreless. Buffalo cranked it up a bit in the second period, got the lead. Laurent Brassois, who played pretty well most of the night, bad goal against early in the third, and then Buffalo just kind of put on a clinic on checking and shot blocking in the third period. And Buffalo got an empty netter before the Oilers got that late one. Three won the final. There were two, you know, times during the game where the Oilers played with desperation. They had a power play, I believe it was in the second period, where they had control of the puck for two full minutes in the offensive zone. And they played with desperation. They put pucks on net. They moved the puck well. They had energy. And then at the end of the game when they went six on five, they had a little bit of jump then. But that, that was the only two times tonight that I saw desperation in their game. I saw, you know, that hunger that you need to have to play in the, in the National Hockey League and win. Uh, the rest of the nights, it was a it was a quiet night. I mean, the physical players weren't physical, the the skaters weren't skating, the offensive players weren't making offensive plays, and in a game where we thought, you know, the Oilers might be in a little trouble, they're missing, you know, two of their top three defensemen tonight. Their their top goalie, their number one starter is out. He's sick. Are their defensemen going to be able to ha- handle it? But the defensemen were fine. The goalie was fine. It was up front where they lacked, and, and that is what's discouraging about this, this game for the Oilers. They were playing a team that had lost seven straight, mm-hmm. including three on home ice. And outside of two spurts, the Buffalo Sabres controlled this hockey game the entire night. 3-1, the Sabres take it. So we're kind of left in the same spot we were after the St. Louis game on Tuesday. What, what do you do next? There, you know, We can talk all we want about shuffling lines. There's not going to be, if, it, if there is a call-up from the farm, it's not going to be somebody who's going to come in and, and start getting multiple scoring chances in a game or be an awesome shutdown defender. Th- this is the team for for the most part. I mean, I don't know, Rob. It's, 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 I, I'm starting to think that, you know, we've been, we've been using the words confused and the team looking lost. I'm starting to think that I'm no longer confused or lost about the team. I, I, I'm starting to think they're just flat out a terrible hockey team. And I don't expect them to play any better in Boston because I've seen them play like this probably about half their games so far this season. Yeah. Uh, befuddled is the word that was, I was thinking in my head. I'm befuddled by the effort they have. And, it, and to me, a lot of it isn't the, the skill level of this team. To me, it's the compete level of this team. Uh, they're just they weren't competing tonight for pucks. I mean, last year 
we had a number of phone calls, and we talked about it too, about a Benoit Pouliot, who was not good enough to be on this team last year. And he fell out of favor. Benoit Pouliot, I bet you he won 90% of his battles in tonight's game. And this is a guy that wasn't good enough to make this team and proved it last year. Uh, the players that you would expect to win battles going into the corners, they didn't do it. The Lucic, the Maroons, the Cassians, they didn't win battles. The offensive players, uh, the turnovers, the the passes without looking. I mean, uh, biggest Connor McDavid fan in the world right here, but there was a time where I thought that Connor McDavid could never make a bad pass. Every play he made was the right play. But you could tell the frustration getting into his game because he's forcing things. And he's a player that doesn't need to force it because he can beat guys with both his brains and his ability. So it, it is, it's befuddling that a team that had success, and, I, and I, I was the first to say that last year a lot of the success was masked by incredible goaltending. As Cam Talbot was all world last year. Well, unfortunately for the Oilers right now, the, the goaltending can't cover up the mistakes that are being made. And right now the mistakes aren't so much defensively. The mistakes are offensively or, or, or the lack of offensive prowess that this team should have. 3-1, the Sabres take it. We'll get to your phone calls in a couple of minutes. 780-496-0063. Right now, back to Buffalo. Here's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. What's the difference in your guys' game tonight that led to that result? Uh, didn't score as many. Uh, obviously, it's simplistic in the answer, but uh, we didn't create a lot of you know opportunities. But the first period, we were in the penalty box, You know, six minutes of it. Uh, they did a good job blocking shots, limiting things. Uh, we pushed hard at the end, but uh, just fell short. You didn't just dictate the game like you did in Detroit, though. No, and I mean, we're playing a, a different opponent. I mean, we're not going to, you know, blow the doors off everybody. You know, this, this was a well-played game. Uh, and they got, they got two goals there. You know, the empty netter is the empty netter, but uh, it, was a, it was a tightly played game. We just we had to find a way to produce more offense and get more goals. Another step back, though. I thought maybe you'd win it and then you get on a string. I mean, this is oh. another one of those win a game. Really, a really good game, and then the next game. Yeah, you know, we we want to get on that same kind of a string. Uh, you know, the plan wasn't to come in here and lose, uh, but I thought the effort was better. Uh, you know, we played right to the end. Uh, you don't get that the goal to break the shutout, but uh, you know, we got to start something again on on Sunday. That's all it is. We just got to get back to work and go at it. All right, obviously that's Mark Letestu speaking after the game. Mark Letestu is the Oilers lose 3-1 to the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, yeah, that's the record, 8-13-2 now on the season. They will close out the five-game road trip in Boston Sunday afternoon. We'll have it for you on Ched, 1.30 face-off show. The game will start at 3. All right, 780-496-0063. We'll bring Dwayne onto the show. Hey, Dwayne. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, uh, so where's the drop-off here where uh, you don't hold out hope anymore, you know? Because, like, I hate to say it, but we've watched this brand of Oilers hockey for how many years now? It's like we had one good year. It's kind of reminiscent of 2006, you know? Our goalie, he's, like, between 10 and 20 ranked, I think, and we're so slow at not funny you know the league's doing 120 miles an hour and the Oilers are stuck at 90 it's unreal like how fast things changed in one year 
Yeah, well, it is surprising, Dwayne. I mean, in terms of, of holding out hope, I, I, got a, I got a personal policy. I'm not going to tell fans how to feel. <laughs> I'm not going to tell fans how to feel. I mean, probably some of you have, have maybe already given up hope. If Some people are still thinking they can put together a run. I mean, I, I, I like to be positive because there's 59 games left in the I season. Think, but you but know, you, I, was you, at the, I was at the Chicago game where Chicago ran up the score on us, and the fans were chanting we want 10 we want 10 you know oh the like, one several years ago oh yeah yeah and, and you know just you go into the building like the last game i went to there's no energy from the crowd it's almost like uh, they've taken the wind out of our sails you know it's like we've collectively got a kick in the bag <laughs> you know i don't know else how to put it yeah it, it, it's just horrible watching these guys snatch victory from the jaws of defeat you know well that's an interesting or, way to put it yeah they're thanks snatching, they're snatching uh defeat from the jaws of victory yeah right? no i i know it, i know i know what you meant for sure thanks Dwayne. we appreciate it yeah i mean it's it's it, it is it is frustrating because i think rob you you feel like like they okay so they play better against detroit took advantage of detroit's mistakes played a fairly solid game you win 6-2 and then there's virtually no energy in the first period. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I appreciate, and I know Latest is is a veteran, and he's out there trying. And I appreciate what he's saying. Well, we applied some pressure in the third period. Well, but you, you, how many opportunities have you let slip by by then? How, how many opportunities have you missed to control the game? And that's and that's the one thing about watching the Oilers this year, Rob. I, maybe you'll feel different, but it, they've become a team when they when they fall behind or it's even. You feel like uh, they're not going to make the next play, or they're or they're going to make the next mistake, and and to me, we saw that again tonight on several occasions. Which to me is the exact opposite of what we saw last year. Because if the game was within one, you felt last year the Oilers were going to come back and win. You knew that Cam Talbot was not going to give up the next goal. You knew that the next time you got a power play, you were going to score a power play goal. You felt confident that your penalty killers could get the job done, and, and you had confidence. In, in your team, if the game was close, you were going to come out on the, on the right side. I mean, it, it's scary that we're this far into the season. The Oilers have won five games in regulation. In 23 games, five times in regulation. That's a good point. That they've won. That, that is a, one winning streak. Yeah, and one winning streak. games. And it's almost one like the in... The season's over a quarter done. And one in five is what they, they've won in regulation. So their team, I don't believe, is as bad as it has shown. But there's something missing right now. There's something missing because there's no way you should be going into Buffalo and coming out in the first period playing the way they did. There's yeah. just no excuse for that. And I don't. you can talk about illness, you can talk about travel, you can talk about anything you want. The Edmonton Oilers came out with a lack of desperation in their game. And the Buffalo Sabres, the longer they were in this game, the better they felt. Because this is a team that's fragile, that lost seven straight. Now all of a sudden, halfway through the game... We're up one nothing. Right. Let's take full advantage of this because we might not have a lead this late in the game for a while again. And the Oilers did not do anything to disprove that. Three one Buffalo takes it seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Art on the line. Hey Art. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, not feeling very good after watching the game. I've been an Oiler fan since the early seventies. Watched Gretzky and that crew, and um, I'm really disheartened with the effort that the Oilers are putting in. Uh, every second game. Um, to me, <clears throat> I think there, there, there's got to be two reasons. There's either something going on in the dressing room where the team isn't as close as they were last year, or two, they've, uh, as 
Todd McClellan put it after the St. Louis game, uh, the coaches didn't get him ready. And I'm just wondering if the coaches have lost the the uh, ears of the players. Yeah, I see. I have a hard time th- seeing that just because most coaches that lose t- players or lose teams are coaches that are hard on them. The Ken Hitchcocks, the the Mike Keenans, the the Sutters. Those are the ones that have a shelf life simply because they are so demanding. And every time you're walking on eggshells because you're you're afraid. You're afraid of what's going to come out of the coach's mouth the next time, the negativity. But Todd McClellan's not that kind of coach. And we're talking, uh, what, 23 games since this team shocked the NHL by their by their fantastic season they had and their fa- fantastic end of the season last year. I can't imagine in 23 games that the coaching staff has done something that has changed the the way the players feel about them. I think this one, to me, is on the players. Because it, it doesn't matter what the coach has in the dressing room, what, what he talks about, what his X's and O's are. You, you, you get paid to play. You put that jersey on, you be proud. You go on the ice, you work. Now, at the end of the day, if you don't have enough talent or if your X's and O's aren't good enough, then you lose and you, someone will have to pay the price for that. But when you lose because you haven't worked hard enough, because you got outworked by the opposition, you didn't compete, you didn't battle, that is all on the player. All right, let's go back to Buffalo Sabres, beat the Oilers 3-1, and here is head coach Todd McClellan. Goalie, how much did that kind of impact maybe the way tonight's game went? Well, it always has an impact on the game uh, when you lose good players, but that happens throughout the league. Um, the others have to pick it up, and I didn't think we had enough guys picking it up tonight. We, uh, uh, we lacked any type of pace in our game, and when I look at the number of shots that were our shots that were deflected or tipped or blocked, uh, you got to give them credit for being in really good position, but also us for uh, for taking an extra second to get the shot off or uh, or find a rebound or keep a play alive. I thought they uh, they had a lot more sustaining power than we did tonight. Where's the urgency in your team? You just beat Detroit six two, playing a team that's lost seven straight. Um, not there. Maybe the urgency was there, and we just didn't get it done. Um, you know, it's. That's a uh, judgment call. Um, I think it can be better. Uh, but if our group thinks that's uh, enough, then then we're on the short end. Uh, but, but again, I think our, our guys have the want to do it. Uh, can we get it done um, you know, at the pace that we're, we're executing at? And uh, we have to make things happen a lot faster, in my opinion, um, defensively and offensively. You knew Buffalo was going to come at you harder tonight uh, given their situation yep did you not anticipate i mean i shouldn't say that that did your guys not anticipate figure they were going to be in for maybe a little bit of an easier night or no 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 players say they worked hard enough did they work hard enough? well it depends how you define work um you know i think most of them are honest when it comes to that but working hard is one thing um Using that effort and, and executing and uh, sustaining uh, is another, and, and you need all of those qualities to be successful. So we had some guys that, that worked hard tonight. We had guys that blocked some shots and took some hits to make some plays, So, uh, but not enough of them. Larry making a case to maybe get more minutes. You kind of rode him a little bit down the stretch, and he seemed to help out even in the circle. Yeah, I thought he had some poise uh, as he moved up the lineup. Um, you know, disappointed in a few guys that were playing upwards. 
uh, even some of the guys that got minutes near the end, um, they have to be better. And uh, But I thought Mike had some poise. He showed that he had some veteran patience with the puck, and he made some nice plays. Albie didn't like the second goal. Obviously, it wasn't a very good goal. Your team hadn't scored a goal until 16 seconds left in the game. So. Yeah, it's... Uh, I thought he made some really good saves. Uh, he'd obviously like the second one back. Uh, you know, any goaltender in the in the league would like to have that one back. Yet, we can't just focus on that one. We've got to look at his uh, his overall performance, which was pretty strong, especially early early in the game when they uh, when they came after us. They had three power plays in the first period. That's six of six of the 20 minutes were played in in our end basically so I thought he played a, a good game there but he would like to have that one back all right so there's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan uh, I thought key there seeing his team lacked some pace certainly lacked some execution and uh, said he didn't mind how Mike Camilleri played maybe he gets a shot on uh, one of the top two lines when they play Sunday in Boston tonight Buffalo taking it 3-1 scoreless after the first one nothing Buffalo after two. Eichel scored 43 seconds into the second period. Bad goal on Laurent Brassois, who had a decent night. Otherwise, Okpozo gets an empty netter, and then Ovitu breaks the shutout with 20 seconds to go. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. A $25 donation is going to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 for every Oilers goal throughout the season. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll bring Brendan onto the line. Hey, Brendan. Hey, Aria. Long-time caller, or long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I pretty much just had to call in tonight, and basically just because of my disgust of the starting of this season as opposed to the Cinderella run that we had last year. The uh, Everly trade is looking terrible for us. When do we make a trade to get a speedy winger to play with McDavid or something of that lines? Uh, that's a great question, Brendan. I mean, if, if, you're, if you listen, like you say, it, it's... I don't know what to expect at this point in the season. I, I really don't. I know that's not what you want to hear, but I, I don't know what... Shirelli's going to do and this is the biggest test he I mean this to me this is a bigger test than when he took the team over Shirelli's looked terrible he didn't work out JP is not working out nobody's really working out on that right wing if we even have a shred of making the playoffs it's got to be done soon in my opinion anyways but the thing is it's got to be available I mean you could say we need this but someone's got to be wanting what we have to give up and willing to get rid of what they've got. And nobody's going to get rid of something good right now. So it's not easy to make good trades in the, in the middle of the season. It's unfortunate. Right now, the problem for Shirelli and why it's so much harder now than it was when he first took over, because there's expectations. When Shirelli took over, there's no expectations because we were a bad hockey club. Now we're a hockey club that was, you know, and so close to being in the Final Four last year, 103-point regular season. Expectations were high. And now things have been very, very disappointing to start the season off. And the team seems to be floundering. And you got to figure out what you have to do to fix it. And I'm not sure there's an easy fix out there. Yeah, it's tough, Brandon. I mean, I don't know if they'd ever give... I mean, I don't know if you'd call Ty Ratty up and hope he can skate a little bit. But, I mean, he's in the minors for a reason, right? He, was, he wasn't he was a highly sought-after free agent. I mean... The, the, you know, the trade that was made was a little unexpected in my mind, Jokinen for, for Camilleri. They're different types of players, both who are older and weren't working out where they were. 
but I think you, you kind of your point is if Camilleri gets promoted here to the top six, that's not necessarily why why he was brought in. Now, Kajula had played well before tonight. This was a really quiet night for him up with McDavid. I don't know. I've been calling for Ratty ever since. Uh, you like him, eh? Yeah, ever since he was signed, I figured, well, might as well give him a shot. What's the sense of him sitting in the minors? I know it's just minor death, but might as well give him a shot at this point. Like, we're five regulation wins so far. It's been absolutely brutal. Yeah. do something. Yeah, and they're desperate for sure. Brendan, thanks for calling, man. Well, thank you. All right. We'll also have, this is going to be interesting, JP is on the line. Hi, JP. Well, you're damn right. It's going to be interesting, you guys. How are you, Ryan? How are you, Rob? I'm doing quite well, JP. How are you? Well, I'll tell you right now. This game put me to sleep a few times. The only thing that woke me up was a quick little blast of my whiskey, just to kind of, oh, please, is there a game on today? <laughs> this team is garbage tonight. What a what a garbage attitude. These guys come out tonight flat. So flat. Oh, let's, let's be, hey, you know what, let's not do anything tonight. Why not? Let's take it easy. Are you kidding me? You're playing this day bar and you play like this? But let's get down the brass tacks here. The power play, I don't know who the hell is, uh, sorry for the language, I don't know who the hell is is organizing this power play. It's the worst, most predictable thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, sorry, I got distracted right now. Yeah, 30 I'm seconds, Jake. 30 sorry. seconds, Jake. No, read, read. Yeah, 30 oh, seconds. Go ahead. Calm down. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> Listen, it is the worst power play I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of seeing this all the time. But let's get down to this. These guys come out flat and you play against Buffalo Saber like this? <laughs> you make them look like a bunch of stuff? What a joke. I am upset with this. But I want Buller RV, by the way, on the power play. One time shot the other night. Yeah. Perfect. This would be great. Anyway, I'm going to go back to having myself some spinach dip and a rye. You guys have a great night. Take care. Okay. Thanks, JP. I love how he apologized for, for saying hell and then says it again. That's okay. Uh, well, I mean... We appreciate JP's <laughs> calls. This this was a, a another frustrating game in a long line of them this season for, I'm sure, many of you, probably all of you who uh, watched. And JP's right. Uh, <coughs> Buffalo or not, the Oilers were flat. And they have, been, they have been too often. They're not scoring first enough. They're not taking control of games enough. I mean, actually, five games in a row they've been scored on first. They haven't scored first since the game against Vegas because Detroit scored first. Well, they're, the won. they're a team that should be playing with desperation, and it's a team that's coming out with playing flat. It, it makes no it's sense like at all. Wa- it's like they're waiting for somebody else to, to, make, do, to make the big play as opposed to just going out well, there with your line. And they, they're a team that is reacting instead of initiating, and that doesn't work in the National Hockey League. All right, more of your calls when we get back. Oilers lose 3-1 in Buffalo. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chair. All right. Friday night. Hope the rest of your evening is better than what you witnessed or listen to Oilers losing 3-1 in Buffalo. They were not good. 
and they are 8-13-2 on the season, 1-3 with a game to go on their five-game road trip, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Rob, before we go tonight, mm-hmm. you will give, not yet, Okay. you will give your Grey Cup prediction, score included. Score included? Okay, I'm in. Well, that's exciting. I'm very excited now, too. Who's playing again? <laughs> you know who's playing. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Lauren. Hello, Hi, how Lauren. How are you? How are you? We're doing good. It's nice to hear from you. Well, for this first cut, first time call. Anyway, I I've been an Oiler fan for years, and I'm I, I'm really disturbed with what I see. There's no, uh, there's just no body work. There's nobody hitting. No, everybody seems to be skating around like they're in another world. I, I don't know. Is somebody maybe upstairs said there's no fighting or 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 there's, there's no activity. They don't seem they seem to shy away from from getting hitting somebody. It, I just don't understand the the this, the common sense of, the, of what these boys are. And why doesn't this the coach leave the Daddy, guys play together as a line, and then. Uh, Sorry, which switch, guys? They switch them around. You know, nobody knows who's playing who anymore. Well, it's because nothing's working with what they have. The Oilers went with one lineup for quite a while, and it didn't work. And now they've switched around, and every team does it. It's not just the Oilers. All teams switch them up, trying to find something that works, and it hasn't been. As far as for the physical play, that comes from emotion. And tonight, I thought the game was a very emotionless game from the Edmonton Oilers. And when they're emotionless, they're not physical. And when they're not physical, they're not as effective. But here, here's my question to that, Ryan. I, I understand. I, and I know you, you played, so I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm doubting that. But is there not a, an element to this, too, where if your name is Zach Cassian or Milan Lucic or Patrick Maroon or, or Adam Larson, that you know your job is mm-hmm. to hit... And even if you don't feel into it or feel excited yep. about the game, you're still supposed to go try to crush somebody. Well, I mean, they've all, they've, all been, they've all been through this before. Yeah, but for, I mean, you're always excited to play. So I mean, if if you're if well, you're not they if, that excited no, tonight, well, then there, that's where there's something wrong. Right. Excitement comes from emotion, and all players play better when they're emotional. And there's going to be days you feel better on the ice than others. Sure. And it's, it's usually you can find out in warm up. You can tell just how your legs are feeling. Some days they feel great. Some days they feel don't. They feel awful, and you just have no rhyme or reason why. And sometimes you have to play a different style, but you have to know what your strengths are. And and we talked about it during the during the telecast tonight that games can be changed by players that aren't goal scorers. A big shift from a physical player goes out, then the next shift another guy goes out and be is physical, and you start to change the momentum of a hockey game. The Buffalo Sabers liked the sleepy hockey game today. That favored them because they they aren't as big or as physical as the Oilers are. But the Oilers don't do things to put themselves into places where they can be physical. They don't dump the puck into the corners to be physical. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, urgency coming back. And that's a lot of the times when you get a big hit coming back on a guy because the, the back pressure's there. Those are the things that the Oilers didn't do tonight. But you've got to understand your role. And it's hard to replace a guy that scores 70, 80, 90 points. It's not hard to replace a third or fourth line player. So if you play on the third or the fourth line, or if you're a guy that's a physical presence on the top two lines, they can find someone else to do that. And I guarantee you there are a 1,000 players out there 
that want to be in the National Hockey League, that want to play on a team, play with a Leon, play on with a Connor, play on with a Nugent Hopkins. So you know what your role is. Do your role. If you don't do your role, someone else will. Yeah, and, and I look, just for everybody listening, and if you're just tuning in, when I, I'm going to bring up an individual player. Mm-hmm. And I want to be clear. I'm not turning into let's blame this season on one guy because this is an organizational-wide failure to this point in the season. But if we were going to bring up expectations of a player, I mean, how many times this year has Zach Cassian run over a guy, you know, where you thought, wow, what an exciting shift. That changed the, 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 the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. That made the other team a little intimidated or that fired up Cassian's life. I mean, I don't think it's happened once this Well, season. last year, if you asked me that, I would sit here and I'd try to think, okay, which one was his best? Right now, if you and I sit here and talk about it, we can't think of a game that he changed the complexion, a shift that he changed the complexion. He hasn't done it. And, you know, he's snake-bitten. He's had a few breakaways this year. The puck hasn't gone in. But you're on the fourth line. You're not expected to score. You're on the fourth line. You're expected to be a positive influence on the game through physicality because that's what he is. He talked about it at the beginning of the season. He came out and said, we will be the best fourth line in the NHL. He said that. And at that point, you're thinking, well, I saw what he did in the playoffs. I saw how he was last year. You know what? He, he, he could. This could be right. And eh, invisible most nights. And when you're invisible as an offensive player, sometimes the puck doesn't bounce to you. And you don't get the puck in the spot you need it to be. It's very easy to be a physical player. It's very easy to be a third and fourth line guy. I've been there. It's not as glamorous, but it is, it, it, it's much easier because all it is is hard work. And it just hasn't been there for certain players. 3-1, Buffalo takes it tonight. We have Brad on the line, who's also going to be our finish the play contestant, Brad. So we're uh, looking to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. But before we get to that, Brad, go ahead, buddy. Okay, I'm, I'm going to make a few points because in case my phone dies, I don't think it will. One, I am really upset. They play without any kind of emotion. I don't know how we're going to screw a guy like Connor McDavid up like this. Another one, we were always told we had to get bigger and stronger if we wanted to compete with L.A. and San Jose. Well, now it's like all I hear is everybody's fast, everybody's doing this. So we let Taylor Hall go, and we let Yakupov go, which I'm fine with, but what did we get for Yakupov? Number one pick overall, we got nothing. And now we can't score goals, and they look god-awful. Luchik shouldn't be on the first line. I don't know what's happened to Dreisaitl. He has no sweet back passes anymore. It's something's wrong in the room, whether it's the elephant in the room or what. It's god-awful. Well, there, I said my piece. Tonight was bad, Brad. There's no doubt about it. We're going to let you yeah, finish but the it's, it's not just tonight. It's, there's a lot of these Well, yes, excuses. absolutely. It's been a, it's, it has been a bad They've season. They've got to be done with the excuses. Sometimes they have three days rest, and they're waiting at home, and they still come out and they stink. I, Brad, Brad, I got to give you some advice here, though. If you okay. come on the air and your phone's about to die, always go for the prize first, and then <laughs> after that, then do the vent. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can get him the prize here. Go ahead. Injury. Here's Nugent Hopkins centering one timer. I don't even know what that is, Brad. So we're just going to give you the prize. How does that sound? <laughs> I, I think it hit a stick and went wide, and Nugent fell over because the stick kind of broke, and the guy pushed him, gave him a little punch, and then Drysdale came in and punched the other guy. All right, that sounds good. Stay on the line, okay? Hopefully, your phone lasts while Kellen gets your info. 
Okay, thanks. All right, that's Brad. 780-496-0063. Uh, we're getting to everybody on the phone line. No Japanese Village goal light tonight. We do turn it on whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 844. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Buffalo beating the Oilers 3-1 tonight, getting goals from Josephson, Eichel, and Opozo. A V2, the only goal for the Oilers, coming at 1940 of the third to break up Robin Leonard's shutout bid. He makes 29 saves on 30 shots. Laurent Brassois stops 28 of 30 tonight. One of the Buffalo goals into an empty net. Uh, Brassois playing because Cam Talbot was sick. Oscar Clefbaum also scratched because of illness tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Derek calling in. Hello, Derek. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Excellent. Just a couple really quick points um, I, I thought I'd mention. Uh, first off, I heard earlier tonight in the game, I think it was Bob that mentioned it, that uh, he felt that the Oilers, there was an arrogance to the team and and I, I kind of have to agree. I mean, the boys, you look at the front line, how many millions of dollars are on that front line and second line, and they just they, they just can't seem to get anything going. Dreisaitl fighting the puck left, right, and center. I, I, I don't know how to rectify that. My other problem is, is you look at prior Oiler teams and years of hockey, there was fight right to the end of the game. And I've noticed this year, I mean, they're they're benching McDavid. They're saying they're saving him for the next game. They're saving this player for the next game. Well, if these are our million dollar players, hundred million dollar contracts, what 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 what's the point in benching him? Why not why not have him on the team? If you guys, if they're making him out to be the the number one star of the Oilers, and you know he's supposed to put the team on his back. Why are you playing him for three minutes in the third period if you're yeah, already well, losing? Yeah, I think I, Derek, I'm, I'm just, I'm just. I mean, first of all, you, you make a very good point. I, I mean, David played 22 minutes tonight. I, I think the couple games last week they limited him in the third when because he was getting like we found out he was pretty sick, right? And I'm not making excuses for the team. He, he did play quite a bit tonight. Um, I mean, you talked about fight at the end of the game. They didn't have any fight at the start of the game tonight. That's... Tonight, for sure, absolutely. Like, they, the last 10 minutes, I guess, they, you know, they, they put the game together. But a few prior games, you know, they just seemed like they turned into a game of shinny. They were passing the puck around in their own end, and they didn't really have anything to come forwards to attack with, right? Uh, it's just been frustrating to watch. Yeah, well, very frustrating. And we're just hang on a sec here, Derek and Rob. Where's my... The Oilers have scored first... Eight times this season. Yeah. Out of 23 games. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good enough. No, absolutely not at all. Yeah. No, it's tough, Derek. Thanks for calling, buddy. We appreciate it. You bet. Have a good night. All right. 780-496-0063. Are we giving out a fourth star? I got it. We'll give it to Ovito. He got the goal? He got the goal. Came out, I mean, doesn't play... Not in an, he's in and out of the lineup, plays 18 minutes. He scored a goal. I thought he was all right. Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. And I mean, you mentioned when Buffalo scored, Oviedo 
a V2 lost his mm-hmm. mat. There were four or five Sabres lost by other Oilers that could oh, have God, scored. Yeah. The, 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 the Sabres' first goal, they forechecked for about three minutes straight. Like, they just totally wore the Oilers It down. was four straight shifts. Every every yeah. Sabres line came on and had um, offensive zone access and just kept turning it over and over and over, and the Oilers had no answer to it. I mean, the Oilers probably had three times in the entire game where they had uh, a lengthened amount of time in the offensive zone. It was it was one and done. They'd come down, they'd get their opportunity, miss, and it'd go back the other way. Where Buffalo had a number of shifts where they had in-zone offense for 30, 40 seconds. And that just shows the team that uh, they were winning battles, they were winning foot, foot races, and, well, at the end of the night, the better team won. You know, Bob, actually, you used the word arrogance a few weeks ago too, Rob. Mm-hmm. That you said there's an arrogance. And what Rob means by that is that there's sort of this feeling that, well, you know, we accomplished something in the past and we don't have to do all the little details that got us there. And I think there might be something to that, Rob. I mean, you finish eighth overall last year. Okay, great. That's cool. Everybody, then everybody starts the next year with zero. And it's almost like, I'm not saying they're sitting there consciously thinking this, but it's almost like some mindset crept in where it's like, well, there's nowhere to go but up. You know, we're going to start eighth and we can, we can only go higher as opposed to, okay, we're confident we can do that again, but we have to recognize that we start at zero again and, and we have to recreate or even better the effort and the details that we had last season. I th- that's my interpretation of, of the arrogance is that they haven't acknowledged what it took to do it last year. I couldn't explain it any better. I, I think that they believe, or it looks like they believe, that they don't have to put the work ethic in. They don't have to be the detailed team. They don't have to... Uh, have the the thought process that I will do whatever I'm needed to do to get a win tonight. Right now it looks as though, you know what, we're pretty good, we're better. Look what we did last year, we're better than them. We're going to go out there and we'll just play our game and at the end of the night it'll be all right. But it's not. There's there's too much parity in the National Hockey League. Unless you do all the little things, unless you execute, unless you're detailed, unless your work ethic and your battle and your compete are where it needs to be, you don't win. And the Oilers record shows that. Would you, I mean, you especially, Rob, often talk about how the players play because you were, you were a player. You talk a lot about coaching. You think the team is well coached. I, I don't think they've tuned out McClellan at all. In terms of, you know, Peter Shirelli's work. Now, he made the, he made the haul for Larson trade. We knew that summer one of the three guys, Hall, Nugent Hopkins, or Everly, was going to be gone. Highly debated trade. It's once again being heavily debated mm-hmm. again. Uh, Everly for Strom. Shirelli came right out and said it was primarily for money. Yep. So he was basically acknowledging Strom's probably not going to get as many points, and now the team is starved for offense. Uh, he didn't do much else. You know, he was basically said, I, I trust other players are going to step up or I trust that they can handle more responsibility. I, I mean, did you feel he erred in, the, in, in that judgment? Did you feel that there was he was taking too big of a risk coming into the season and now it's, it's hurting the team? Well, you and I talked at the beginning of the season when we talked – before the entire season started, we said, how do you think this team's going to do? What do you think their record's going to be? And we both had the same concerns. We felt that uh, with Pouliot gone, with Everly gone, the, the Oilers are strong down the middle. They've got a very good goaltender. Their defense will be adequate while Secker is out, but they have no depth scoring. They've got no wingers. Or, sorry, not enough depth scoring on their wings. And that's what's come to fruition. I mean, they... I, I see what Peter Shirelli was doing. This is a team. Look what this team did for me. I went out and built this team. They were one bad call by a referee away from being in the Final Four. And, and the way they played down the stretch, the way they played in the playoffs, 
we're on to something here. So I can understand that, but we also saw at the beginning, they were like, you know what? You can't put three the three guys, three big dudes down the middle in three different lines because they don't have enough mm-hmm. to play with them. And Connor's going to be Connor, but you know what? Teams are going to say, you know what? Let's stop Connor because after him, they don't have that ability. So uh, the, the, it is amazing how, fa- how fast the league changes. This was a team that you had to build big, and here we are talking now, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are a great example. They got faster and went back-to-back Stanley Cups, and now we're talking about okay, we got to get faster. Yeah, I, but I still, I mean, I still, don't, I still think you need a balance. You do need a balance. I mean, you need, but right now you need meat for battle. <laughs> I mean, you need big guys. You need puck you, protectors. You you do, but you need what you have to do what they're good at. And I think the Oilers well, have. Well, thus gets back they to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, they have the all physical guys haven't been overly physical. No, they haven't. The ingredients that we had last year are still there. But what they did last year, what they were successful at, we have not seen through the first 23 games. Buffalo 3, Edmonton 1. We'll welcome Bob to the show. Hi, Bob. Yeah, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm oh, doing pretty good. Just a couple of things here. The um, You talk about the work ethic and the battling and so on and so forth. It seems to me they started off pretty good. We're going real good last year. They were the third, uh, second round. But then all of a sudden when they start losing, uh, do you guys not think all of a sudden it's like, well, so what? Like, who gives a rat's ass? Because uh, we're making, all these guys are making a million dollars annually, annually, and it doesn't matter. They're under contract. So you trade them to some other team, they still have to honor a contract. Send them down to the miners to still get the large paycheck like i mean it's great their agent's job is to get all the money squeeze all the dough they can from the ownership and i get that but i mean where, where is the incentive there's no incentive they're in a slump so who gives a crap because they get their checks on whatever 15th or 30th and away you go i mean that's that's the one thing it seems to me has come right down to that Okay, the the, the the hole in your argument there is there's 27 teams ahead of the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs, and all the players have the same type of agent, the same kind of contracts, but they're having success. Well, I'm talking about the ones that are in the bottom of the uh, ash heap, and they could justify that, not trying to yeah, get but, ho-hum, throw the towel in. Yeah, but all the other teams well, have relevant players. Because we get the paycheck anyway, so who cares? Yeah, but all the other teams have the exact same players that are got paychecks. That. I understand that, but they're gung-ho, they're given, they're driven, yeah, they're but, motivated for whatever reason. They're, they're, not, they're not thinking with that mindset. I'm just suggesting these bottom feeders in the in the league get to a point where all of a sudden, and it's, you got to agree with be there. They're getting all this large money, so it's irrelevant. It does not matter what. No, I, I completely. Matter what they do at all, they get no. the paycheck, and Com- perhaps this has crept into their heads. Like, oh well, we get our paycheck, so what the hell's the difference? No. Win one here, lose Com- two. Completely win, disagree. Lose three. Completely disagree with you because all the teams have the same thing, and well, it's, it's the first it's, time you've said that, and you're correct. But I'm talking about the bottom. You don't. You yeah, don't but that's uh, they're making all that kind of. Who no. makes that kind of money? Who well, that kind of money? Thir- Lawyers, Thirty-one. Uh, anybody? They yeah. get that kind of glue. So why should they care? But then, but well, how do you? But how do you explain the twenty-seven teams that are ahead of the Edmonton Oilers, but all the players getting the same amount of money? Yet they do care. Well, they're a better team, and they're trying. They do care, and that's well, why these guys. I'm saying to you again that if you get down to the bottom, start losing a few. Okay, the top teams are doing good. The bottom ones, I'm talking about, and they start losing, and the cracks creeps into their minds, they're making all this kind of dull, so they sort of throw the towel in and keep on losing. Although I don't care about the other teams, I know everybody's on the same deal with the paychecks, uh, but I'm talking about maybe some rationale behind what's going on with your bottom teams. That's all i got to say. All right, thanks, Bob. we got Kelly on the line as well. Hi, Kelly. Hey, how are you guys? Good. Good, good. Uh, still a few things to say. Um, I'm just 
just, uh, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. I'm just tired of all the excuses everybody makes up, oh, we're sick with this. I honestly, the only thing I can tell you is we're playing bad hockey, brutal hockey, and I don't know what, what's the deal. I've been for the last 10 years, we've been hoping for a draft pick. We got Connor McDavid, that's not working. So what do we do, hope for another draft pick? Even if we get Gretzky, we ain't going anywhere with this. Uh, maybe look upstairs, maybe change up the referee, sorry, the coaching, uh, something to do with the staff, because I, I honestly think we're one of the worst hockey teams I've ever seen in I don't know how long. Well, yeah, it's been a bad start, Kelly. I, I don't know. I, I mean, look, I, I don't think anybody's getting fired. I think that what happened was this was the franchise often changed coaches and managers and didn't improve. Bob Nicholson came in, got involved in hockey operations. They won the McDavid lottery, and I think he was a large part of saying we have to have experienced people running the team. And that's why Todd McClellan and Peter Shirelli were hired. Uh, I, I think that oftentimes when someone, I kind of referenced this last game, Rob, or maybe it was, after, it was probably after the St. Louis game, actually. When things are going poorly, I, I, I believe that's when people pick a profession, mm-hmm. really prove themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So. Peter Shirelli made some decisions in the summer of 2016, and then the team did really well. And players he acquired, Talbot, Secker, I guess probably leading the way, uh, did really well. And now decisions he's made or players he acquired in the past are not, are not doing as well. So this, but again, we're in that time of year where <laughs> there, there aren't a lot of moves um, that are often made. And I think that... Um, I don't think you let a manager off the hook when the team is playing like this, but I think the solutions, the small-picture solutions for now, have to come from the guys involved in, in the games on a daily basis. The, well, I, I can guarantee you right now that Peter Shirelli is talking to every team in the league, and the pro scouts are going around checking out players, and they're talking to their amateur scouts. Okay, we had this, you saw this guy play when he was in junior. What kind of character did he have? What, what could he do? Can he help here? Can he help there? So now you're, you're looking at players that you think you could help your team. Now you're calling those GMs and you're just having conversations. How are things going? What's going on? Hey, this guy, how's he doing for you guys? Is he available? What are, they, what are you looking for? I just don't think... That right now in the National Hockey League, there's three teams that are where the Oilers are in the standings, where they are looking quite a ways away from a playoff spot. Everyone else is close. I mean, teams like Las Vegas, who we th- everyone, at the beginning of the year, everyone's cherry-picking all the players. Okay, we're going to get this guy at the deadline. We're going to get this guy at the deadline. They, they're in a playoff spot, not just a wild card. Like, they're in... Yeah, like a, James Neal isn't going to be... If they're in the top three in the Pacific Division... He's not trade moving. Down, they're not trading James no. Neal. So, so there's not a lot of teams that are going to be selling players right now because everyone thinks they have an opportunity to make the playoffs. Because there's only three teams that are completely out right now, and that's Edmonton, Buffalo, and Arizona. And Montreal's far off, too. But everyone believes Edmonton and Montreal are going to get better. So they feel that they still are playoff teams. So who are the sellers? And if they are the sellers, there's not a whole lot on their their, their team to take. So as much as you want to make a move right now, and you're desperate to make a move right now, I don't know what moves there are. So you've got to try and do it from the inside out and see what you can do from, from your team. I honestly believe that the Edmonton Oilers are much better than their record. But they're just not playing very well, and they got to figure out why they're not playing very well, and they got to get better, or it will be a lost season. All right, that's going to be our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Not a good one for the Oilers tonight. They lose three-one to the Buffalo Sabers. Chris is up next on the open line. We got a full board of calls. We'll get to everybody. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. 
from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chair. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in. 3-1 Buffalo beating Edmonton. Of course, you can always get more on 630Ched.com. Uh, nice story there on Mike Riley, most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League. You know what they should have done? What? Third and four, they should have let the most valuable player in the league. They should have let him do it. Should have let him go. There you go. We'll You're good. about that one for a while. For, well, for another year until they get yeah. back to that same spot. We got Chris on the open line. Buffalo over the Oilers, 3-1. Chris, you're on with Robin Reed. Chris, are you there? Chris may not be there. All right. Well, I guess that means Brad comes in. Hello, Brad. Hey, how you doing today? Good, Brad. You're a little, uh, you're a little muffled there. Are you in a good spot to talk? Yeah, I think I'm in a good spot. Oh, that's better. Yeah, that's better. Go ahead. Okay. Hey. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the show once again. I just had, uh, I just got a couple quick things. No disrespect to Lucic himself as a person, but honestly. What's he doing on the first or second line? Like, I don't. Has everybody seen the same game that I am? Because everybody I ask is kind of in agreements to me. I know we're paying him a ton of money, but he's. Uh, I don't think he's uh, first or second, maybe even third line kind of guy. Really, from what I've seen here. Well, he, he the Milan Lucic. What you're seeing is what you get. This is what he. he he's always been. He's a 50 point guy. 20 goals. Getting to about you know seven to ten fights have a few games where he makes a huge physical presence. Um, he's, he's going to be on your top two lines. He always will, simply because of what his contract is. Uh, but, right, he along, I, but he, along with everyone else, needs to be better. You're right. Absolutely right. He's got to be better than what he's been. What else you got, I Brad? To- I totally understand what you're saying, but if he's dragging down the team that bad, and he is from what I'm watching then we can't afford him to have him on the first or second line regardless of his contract. I understand. If they had someone that they could put up there that was better, I'm sure they would. But the Oilers really have no depth. Their depth their depth players aren't good enough. I, I, you're probably going to see a Camilleri up on the top two lines in the next next game, I would imagine. So maybe Thank he'll God. be the spark that they need. Yeah, what's But your, I agree with you. What's your other point, Brad? Uh, the other only thing I'm seeing is uh, I guess with all the lines shuffling, I feel, I feel for these guys because like, their passing is just horrible and I, I guess I understand that because they're never playing with the same people for any length of time and I and I get all that. I guess Lucic was just my biggest concern. He's a nice guy and everything. He's, he's just not. Well, he's Brad, just not. Hey, it's, nev- it's never personal but you, you talk about how a guy plays in a game for sure. Brad, thanks for yeah. calling in, okay? Thanks a lot. Matthew as well. Hello, Matthew. Oh, hey guys. Um, yeah, I'm an I'm a Oilers fan for over 40 years and I live overseas for many years now. And just want to say thanks because I appreciate your show. Because I live in Malaysia and there's like zero hockey coverage. Oh, You're in geez. Malaysia right now. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, thanks for calling, man. I appreciate it. Is it warmer there yeah, than it so is here right now? <laughs> um. Yeah. The wind wind blows warm in Malaysia for sure. Matthew, nice. you're probably you're probably the best hockey player in Malaysia. <laughs> I, I might be. <laughs> we should do our show from Malaysia sometime. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, um, I just want to. I'm really worried about Torelli because I know Stoffer. Um, Stoffer kind of gave him a pass on the Reinhardt deal, but I, he said that Torelli was new and he trusted the Oilers' scouting and everything. But shouldn't have Torelli known that was a bad deal? I mean, in the cap area, you give away two picks like that. 
it, that is such a painful deal. It, you know, they keep sweeping it under the rug, and then the the whole thing. I don't mind. I like Larson, we needed him, but man, you know, we got no picks. It's brutal. It, it, it was I'm really worried. It was a bad trade, you're right. It, it was, and there was a lot of people that said it at the time, that it was a bad trade and it was going to come back and haunt the Oilers, and y- yes, it was a bad trade. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, like, body of work always the with the manager, but that, that one, yeah, I mean, I, it was, I was at the draft. I was surprised at the time, so. But it's softer and some the kind of news I'm getting is that Australia wasn't fully to blame for that because he was new to the organization. He, he trusted the scouting staff. But shouldn't have an experienced manager like Trelly have known that was a bad pick or bad trade and said, we're not doing this? Well, he obviously, I'm sure if he did if he did think that on his own, he would have. I, I'm sure he did trust other people. But when you're the guy in that job, it's it's ultimately on you. So, I mean, I, I don't know, Matthew, I feel like... I feel like you make a good point. I don't know if splitting hairs about the the deal from from three years ago, <laughs> you know, fixes fixes what happened tonight. These, you add up all these bad deals. Like another thing that bothers me, um, like I know we needed to get heavier, and I don't have an issue with that. But went an experienced manager and coaching staff seen the winds of change in the NHL and had a better balance? Like, look at Ray Shiro in New Jersey. You know, it's like, I, I have no confidence in Trelly. Well, I mean, I, I think this is going to be a big year for him. I, I think that he had the, the, the success last year and buoyed the hopes of everyone here. But now with expectations, it's going to be much harder. And staying yep. competitive, staying in as a playoff team, those fall on Shirelli. Because the team that he has now, when he, the team he inherited was a bad hockey club with bad contracts. And he moved a lot of those players. And it wasn't easy, but he moved them. The team they have now is uh, more or less a Shirelli's team. So now it's on him to to find a way to get this team to, to be a consistent playoff team. And he will be judged on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I hope so because, you know, I'm, like, I work with a lot of Canadians and Maple Leaf fans. And they're, I've been getting roasted for 10 years. And last year I finally could walk around with my head up high. And now I try to hide at work. <laughs> well, hopefully you don't have to hide <laughs> much longer, fans Matthew. Are brutal, man. They got they got a good team, and I have, I got no comeback. Yeah, well, we're the Leafs' fifth or sixth overall, I think. Matthew, we really appreciate you listening in Malaysia and call any time, okay? Yeah, hey, love your show, and uh, yeah, always cheer for the orders. I hope they turn it around. Right on. Thank you, Matthew. Three one Sabers win tonight. We have Jared on the line. Hey, Jared. I got a quick comment about uh, Peter. Sch- yep. Go ahead. Yeah, go, Jared. I think we lost Jared. Did we lose him? We did. Jared, call back if you can hear us. He's one of our regular guys. All right, we've got Fred on the line. Hey, Fred. How's it going, boys? Good. Hey, what was the quote from Orville Teste many years ago? They need heart transplants or brain transplants, one of the two. (laughs) Oh, maybe a bit of both, yeah. I think they need a bit of both because that was pathetic tonight. When you can't beat Buffalo, uh, there is a problem. and I don't know. No effort. They look like world beaters against Detroit. Are they scared to win more than one game? Well, yeah, I know they've only done it one. I mean, they, yeah, they, like I, I said the other night, it's sometimes like they look lost. You know, it's almost like they're. I think they have had some games where they've they've spent a lot of energy doing things that aren't efficient, and then tonight it almost 
it was like they thought, yeah, you know, it, it is Buffalo. We'll go out there. We'll get one eventually. And they just never made anything happen. What happens if the Arizona Coyotes pass us and we're in last place in the Western Conference? There's well, going to be mean, some long, lonely nights for Reed and I sitting here in the field. I mean, well, I don't, yeah, I mean, they're, they're 29th right now. So, I mean. I'm staying positive. I'm feeling there's, there's something's going to happen. Something's going to click and they're going to get better. Thanks for calling, Fred. 780-496-0063. we got to take a quick timeout. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. Okay, quick look at the Advantage Trailer Rental Scoreboard. The Jets doing great, beating the Ducks 4-1. Wild over the Avalanche, 3-2 in a shootout. Islanders beat the Flyers, 5-4 in overtime. Capitals dump the Lightning, 3-1. Vegas wins again, 5-4 in overtime against San Jose. The Devils edge the Canucks, 3-2. Rangers win 2-1 in overtime against the Red Wings. Blue Jackets take down the Senators, 5-2. Ottawa struggling lately. Maple Leafs win 5-4 in Carolina. Predators shut out the Blues, 2-0. In the third, it's 2-2 between the Kings and the Coyotes. Calgary leads Dallas, 4-3 in the third. Boston beat Pittsburgh 4-3, and right here on 6:30, Ched, you heard a stinker by the Edmonton Oilers. They were beaten 3-1 by Buffalo. That's the advantage. Trailer Rentals out of town scoreboard. Okay, Tony on line five. Hey, Tony, you're on with Robin Reed. What's going on, Robin Reed? Just chilling out. Yeah, I'm calling in. I'm leaving the game. I'm on my way back from Buffalo, going to Rochester, New York. Been watching you guys for a while, listening to you on the radio at night. It's getting bad. Yep. It, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it this worse since the good old days, 2005, four, before we made that run in 2006 in the playoffs. Well, I, to, I mean, to be fair, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of bad teams. The, 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 the team right before they fired Dallas Aikens probably was the worst Oilers team I've covered. I think what this this makes this one seem worse, though, is that we thought they'd be decent or maybe even very good. It's the expectation. I yeah. think that's what's making it the hardest. Is the expectation was they were supposed to be good this year, taking leaps forward. Instead, they're taking huge falls backwards. Okay, but like last year, last year... Were we even supposed to do what we were supposed to do last year? No, we weren't. No, that was that overachieved what most people predicted for sure. Yeah, and so this is what we should have been last year probably. Because I know Tal- Talbot, he's he's not playing like he did last year. He's letting in. He's like Swiss cheese this year. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody's playing like they did last year. I mean, McDavid's on a similar point pace as his dry cycle, but I think everybody's game has dropped off in one way or more. Quite frankly, yeah, it just—I was so excited about this year. I was—I couldn't wait. You know, I'm a Yankee fan, so when baseball was over, I was like, "Oh, I can't wait!" Hockey season, Edmonton, and it's just been like the biggest letdown, man. I just—I needed like a 10-game, 12-game win streak. Well, they might not even be in a playoff spot. They're desperate for one of those right now. You're right. Thanks, Tony. Our old buddy Castle Downs, Dan, is on the line. Dan, go ahead. Hey, uh, just a bit of a throwback here, old boys club. 
I just thought I'd get that one in. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> oh, we got to do a drink. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know what? What are you going to do? I mean, like when uh, Reed Wilkins is saying that uh, it's a stinker, you know it's been a stinker. Um, it is what it is. You know, let it go, and uh, we'll just hope for the best next game. Well. Dan, we appreciate it. And thanks for helping with Santa's Anonymous again, eh? Always, my friend, always. Yeah, it means a lot to us. We appreciate it. All right, I think we've reconnected with Jared. Jared, can we hear you this time? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, that's much better. Go ahead. Yeah, my phone just blacked out, being on hold too long, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I, I was just saying about how, you know, they got rid of DeHarnay, Yakupov, because he was a problem. Everly's producing. Justin Schultz has won two Stanley Cups. Benoit Pouliot's got six, seven goals. And all these guys were problems. There was something wrong with all of them. They were all defective. But now uh, McClellan and Sh- uh, Shirelli got the team they want, and they can't win. And even when Peter Shirelli traded for Taylor Hall, traded Taylor Holloway, he traded out of desperation. When Joe Sackick traded Matthew Shane, he got him at full market value. Uh, there's no way that Adam R. Larson is ever going to be equivalent to Taylor, Taylor Hall. But now, if Shirelli has to improve the team, now he has to trade away the future. And when they let him go in Boston, it's because he wanted to make the playoffs that year, and the ownership didn't want him to furtherly decimate the team with trading away draft picks and things like this. But with Tom McClellan, he made a disturbing remark after the game against St. Louis when he said, the guys aren't buying in, and he's being very stubborn and bullheaded. Even look at Zach Cass, and he's taken a couple of bad penalties this year. So now he's afraid to take penalties. So he's, he's almost useless out there now. He's not playing. He's afraid to play. All the Oilers are afraid to play because Russia, because Tom McClellan is playing that stupid one-goal Russian roulette. If Cam Talbot knows that he only can let in one goal, he's going to be tight. All the players are going to be tight. You look at St. Louis. The game that they beat the Oilers 8-3, they made just as many mistakes. But because they play so hard all over the ice, so if Tarasenko gets stripped, all of a sudden there's a guy back-checking. Uh, Pareko pinches the bad pinch or someone back-checking. The Oilers play such a tight game, and that's on the coach. And Tom McClellan, you think, I think they like Tom McClellan. But the problem is, is he's being stubborn. they got to buy in, and there's nothing worse than a coach or a boss that has a bad idea that isn't working. And, you know, like say, Buffalo tonight, whenever the Oilers have to play a team that plays hard, the Oilers can't beat them because the Oilers, for whatever reason, don't play hard. They're almost like paralyzed by self-doubt. And that's on the coach. No one wants to say it's Tom McClellan, but it starts to be him. How can this team be that bad? And such pitiful efforts on a nightly basis being like outplayed by almost an AHL team tonight. I mean, I don't understand it. Jared, we appreciate your passion, buddy. Thanks a lot for calling. We're going to try and fit it a couple more guys in here. we got Mike on the line. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Reed. Go ahead, Mike. i got about 40 seconds for you. Can you hear me, Reed? Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Uh, just wondering what we're going to do to inject some life into this team. A pretty listless effort tonight. Uh, do you either want to turn this around or they're just going to write off the season? I do not understand how they don't come out hard. And It was a, it was like they were skating around tonight with the carton of eggs and, and didn't want to break one. Like, hit somebody, do something, you know? Absolutely, Absolutely Mike. Yeah. Yeah, we're asking that same question. All right. We got a couple guys on hold, but we we have to end the show at nine thirty. So I apologize. Uh, we can talk to you off air if you do want to talk to us, uh, but we got to end the show here. And you can also call us on Sunday. Bad one for the Oilers tonight. They lose three one to Buffalo. Our next broadcast is coming up. 
Sunday at 1.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 3. Oilers at Boston. Can they turn it around? Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend.